HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Forever Cheese, a passion for great taste. Learn more at forevercheese.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're sipping on stories about how access, legislation, and circumstance affect what we drink. I think now it's really changing that there's a growing excitement about drinks that are zero proof and alcoholic. So it just felt like kind of a very good timing. This plant's been around for millions of years, and uh, I just think that it's so special, so uniquely uh, American and pre-American, that it just should have a very prominent place in our society, you know, for a lot of different reasons. It is helpful to be able to sell one drink. It would be more helpful to be able to sell two or three at a time. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil them rhythm and blues that's him. It's gonna get you Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. And I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. Guys. Hey. 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 <laughs> Hey, I was just, uh, I was thinking uh, yesterday, so uh, it's been kind of cold and rainy here in California. I know, boo-hoo. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the one, the one but, weekend of the year, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, I was, uh, like, a guilty a guilty food pleasure for me is, is chicken parm. And, uh, and, like, you know, with, like, chicken parm, I, I know it's chicken, but, it, it, like, with the, you know, marinara sauce, it's, like, it's a great red wine pairing had some great Montepulciano with it but the thing is I it was my first last night and my brother and I and, and Blaine our, our other bandmate we always do band practice on Tuesday nights and we go to dinner before that and usually going to dinner has meant you know take out food and then we eat in the parking lot of where our studio is but last night I actually dined indoors it was cold and rainy as Whoa. I said for the first time in a long, like a long time, like, but an actual indoor dining situation. And it was the chicken parm and the Montepulciano were excellent with, you know, obviously with the Fernet at the end, at least one, I got my second shot last night of Fernet. Um, so, <laughs> but, but that kind of, that actually like leads me into what I was going to say. It's like, Dining indoors, chicken parm, and uh, I don't know. It, it, it all these things were very like you know, like chicken parm to me is a comfort food. 
you know, and like, but I, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to get over the, the kind of awkwardness of like, like it, it was a great experience at one of my favorite restaurants around here, but like still dining indoors. I don't know. I mean, it's like, super weird, man. Like I, I, I don't know. I took the plunge into it uh, myself. Like I, I was sort of, I was holding out for a while. Cause I was like, it's not, you know, we all know it's not going to be the same. Right. Um, right. Not for a but, while. Yeah. But you know, I, I and I and I and I really like doing the zombie versions of things that I love to do, like eating out and going to bars and stuff like that. But uh, two very very dear friends of mine own a bar here in Bushwick called Phil's, and they were opening up for the first time uh, since everything shut down. Like they didn't even do the twenty five percent capacity over the summer, and for the first time ever, they were like, "Whatever, fuck it, we're jumping in, we're doing it." Uh, if you want to come and sort of help us test drive this service, we'd appreciate that. Um, so I went and I, I, you know, I had a lovely time. Food was great. Drinks were great. It was just great to see other human beings, not through a glass screen, but I had a really weird experience getting up to leave because I was doing that thing. You know, it was cold. It was like, okay, I have my hat. I have my gloves. I have my wallet. I have my phone. I have my keys. And I had a moment as I was standing up and I was like, where are you my shoes? You, you, you <laughs> and then I was like, they're on my feet. And I was like, but why? And they're like, because we never took them off. I was like, but we've been inside for for over an hour and a half now. Why didn't I take my shoes off? It was just the most <laughs> bizarre thing. And I was, it kind of made me realize like, wow, we're going to have a lot of psychological catching up to do once yeah. we're finally allowed back in public. I'm we're going like to have to relearn pants. all of these. Yeah, I know, right? Like, it's I, like I'm going to have to put on a shirt. Pants? Yeah, what am I, the Pope? Come on, man. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say you tucked the tablecloth into your into your pants, <laughs> <laughs> and you stood up and cleared the table. Classic physical comedy. Uh, I had a bit of chicken parm myself this week, Damon. I wasn't indoors yeah. anywhere. I got one sent to me. It was a Zoom meeting with a bunch of people about uh, one of our favorite subjects, whiskey, um, and we did a whiskey tasting. But they sent us all um, from quality quality Italian here in. Uh, in New York, you know, they have the quality line, quality meats, quality eats, quality Italian. There's several. Um, they sent us a chicken parm pizza, which my expectation was a pizza with bits of chicken parmesan on top. Uh, much to my surprise, it came solidly frozen, so we, we cooked them ourselves. I thought they were going to arrive like, hot from the restaurant because it was a timed event. But they came in the early afternoon with all the whiskey that we were going to taste. The chicken parm was the crust. So effectively, they Frankenstein together enough chicken cutlets and then breaded them and cut it perfectly round. And then I, I suppose they fried that part off. What? Then, then topped it with, you know, marinara, cheese, et cetera. Uh, and then uh, hard froze it. And so when it arrived, we just put it in the oven for an hour. It was goddamn delicious. <laughs> yeah, something, no shit it was. Some, something about the sort of double cooking of this thing made it extra crispy and the, you know, sort of cheesy gooiness the sauce was thin and light enough that it didn't make the the you know the crust of the chicken parm you know soggy uh and, and so further frankly inspired me to this sunday i'm going to do uh, another instagram i've done an instagram live this past week where i cooked dinner uh i put, I put up a vote uh last time i'm going to put up a vote this time the vote's going to be between uh, two similar items right pork piccata or chicken parm I'll be putting up the vote today, and whichever one wins on Sunday, I'll do it live uh, on Instagram so people can cook along, and we'll make a cocktail as well. I think I'm going to make this into a series called Sunday Supper. So, 
chicken it. parm chicken parm's on all our minds yeah that's, yeah wow that's, i always i always am delighted when chicken looks at bread and just thinks i could do that i could do that better than you're doing that <laughs> right the double down situation <laughs> man uh I, like I guys, we should do a spinoff show from Speakeasy. Like we need to do a a, a cooking food show. <laughs> I think. I, like I mean, Southern, you can actually speak righteously to it, but you know, Greg and I can talk about the consumption. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> so, so Damon, the show you're proposing is Southern cooks and we eat because I'm so on board. I'll produce the yeah. show. I'm very <laughs> on board with that. Yeah, I'm on board as well, produce. guys, if we can ever get to a place where we can be, you know, indoors with one another again. I am trying to secure my appointment at the uh, – and Damon's going to love this – trying to secure my appointment at the Javits Center, right? Uh, because now here in New York, Damon, the Javits Center is a 24-hour vaccination spot. Holy shit. That's right. They realize that New Yorkers are not always free in the times that they were offering vaccines. So now it's 24 hours, and I have deemed it the Jabbit Center in your honor. <laughs> I know you love a good pun. Yeah, man. That's great. <laughs> well, that's kind of what my point was with the uh, the whole chicken parm thing. It's, you know, my very clear, like, focused thinking on any subject. Uh, it usually starts with food to get to my point. Um like what is the like because i know that out here in california like people are a lot of the industry folks have been getting vaccines but it looks like just from what i see on social media a lot of our new york friends have been vaccinated twice or they're already through it and uh, i just kind of wanted to get your take on where where things are out there um many you guys, folks, i mean like obviously many... like you haven't but it, I haven't even gotten a single one yet, uh, and I'm remiss. It's my own fault. I've simply been a bit uh, lazy about trying to secure an, an appointment. But now that appointments are kind of free-flowing, I'll, I'll get it done pretty quickly, I assume. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Uh, many of our colleagues and friends, uh, like just this past week, uh, many of my friends have started the wave of second second jabs already, um, which seems like, wow, I'm so behind because, you know, it's a month between one and two. Um but yeah, I think it's uh, the rollout here is um, speeding up as we go along. Um, well, you could always just go in for the Johnson and Johnson no more tears one shot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think you get to choose. But if that happens, that'd be great. Uh, especially since I have a, I don't have a problem with the pain of a needle. I'm pretty good with pain. Um, but once, once, and that's all it takes. When I was 22 years old, uh, I was getting a shot for whatever I don't even remember, and I passed out. Uh, so now I have a tremendous anxiety over needles. Um, so having to go, have, knowing I have to go twice is uh, certainly slowing down my motivation to get it done. However, I understand its importance and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm way on board. It's just a matter of having to motivate myself a little extra. Yeah, get, get motivated, man. I mean, there's... <clears throat> if it I know, means, I know for if us, it means I'm going get to get to visit California and see your new house, then, then fucking I'm going to get it done. Well, th- not only that, but I mean, like... I know that we're all like dying of like <laughs> kind of being grounded. We've been, I mean, this time last year, Southern and I were in Oaxaca for the speakeasy and, right. you know, like we're used to doing that kind of stuff. Like pretty much we were lucky enough to be able to do that kind of stuff like once a month at least. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm just excited to start traveling the world again, to be honest with you and, and have you come visit. 
Uh, yeah, uh, both of those things. Uh, speaking of traveling the world, let's do that virtually right now. Greg, who's in the virtual studio with us? Joining us in the virtual studio live from Reykjavik, Iceland, we have Teter Ridderman Schiot. He is a uh, all-over amazing bartender and uh, formerly of the world-famous Pablo Disco Bar. So, Teter, thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you? All good. Thank you guys so much for having me. So excited to uh, do this. Absolutely, man. Yeah, Are you we, a chicken parm guy? <laughs> <laughs> I love chicken parm, but you know, I keep hearing about this thing called Chick Fil A in the United States, and I <laughs> have that. You can explain to me what that is, actually. It's for, a protein delivery vehicle for Polynesian sauce. That's what it is. I didn't understand <laughs> anything you just said, but it sounds good. Yeah, I think the going. Uh, I think the going concern in Iceland is puffin parm, right? Puffin farm, yeah, well, yeah, there are some restaurants that actually serve puffin. It's delicious, actually. Hope, yeah, offend anybody with saying that, but uh, yeah, puffin meat is best cured, uh, uh, yeah, dried or cured. Yeah, yeah it's, it's I, don't, I, don't th- I don't think you're offending anyone in the virtual studio here, and I don't think you're offending our audience either. That's if that's what's eaten there, that's fine. I got to visit Iceland and, and ate some puffin while I was there. Uh, Wait, as well. like the little cute birds? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Fuck you yeah. guys. <laughs> David, chicken, ch- chickens are pretty cute little birds too, you know. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, uh, we got to go there. Um, my partner at the time, Max uh, Green, and I came over for the uh, the bar summit. Ah, uh, uh, oh, uh, the bar summit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hosted by Ausker Mar Björtsson, right? Uh, in- indeed, yeah, yeah. What a good time that was. Uh, I was a I was a volunteer for both of the events, so I, I yeah I remember it. it was a it was a fun time definitely. Right, uh, so we probably met face to face, and I just don't remember. I I I, I will admit that I uh, well I'll admit that while I was there, I had many many drinks. <laughs> so you had some brandywine. Yeah, we uh, we it flows like water there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It flows like beautiful crystalline uh, Icelandic water. Uh, Brennan <laughs> is ubiquitous everywhere you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to say it. So there's you. You might know this actually. One of my favorite facts about Brennan and Iceland is that um, Iceland had prohibition until relatively late, right? It's sometime in, I, I want to say '82. Is that right? Uh, well, yeah. The the actual prohibition for uh, strong alcohol actually ended in '35, and uh, that was the year that they. Uh, uh, started producing brandywine and selling it, uh, but the like they the beer was actually banned until 1989. So we had no beer until 1989. Right, so, a curious a curious opposite thing, right? Like no beer, but spirits were allowed. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, right? But <laughs> the thing is, what people used to do, they used to take non-alcoholic beer and blend it with brandywine and, and make this drink called Bjorliki, which was thing yeah which was the thing that people used to drink uh, it's crazy that actually sounds kind of good like if you got a really nice like you know malty beer with some barley flavor in there and you got the caraway seeds from the uh, caraway flavor from the brain event, like that sounds like it could be a really you know a great like a, maker yeah yeah a boozy everything bagel of a drink a delicious <laughs> maker. yeah yeah definitely yeah could work yeah. Well, apparently it did. <laughs> it has. <laughs> For it has several to. decades. Yes. Yeah. Necessity is the mother of invention. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, so, Tether, you, you uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you've done a little bit of work with uh, Brandovin in the past, is that right? Yeah, so uh, my work started with Brandovin in, in 2016, actually. So I uh, competed in the national like Brandovin cocktail competition, which I, uh, which I won at the time. And um, after that, uh, yeah, I started working for them and started working for Iceland naturally uh, as well, which is, uh, which is, um, it's a marketing uh, company based in the United States, uh, which main goal is to market Iceland as a country for tourism. Right. Was it there like a, uh, a like cross the pond like like was it Icelandic Airways or something like that where like if you stopped in in Reykjavik like your flights were like ninety nine dollars or something it was something insane like that right am I just making that up yeah it was so insane that the that the airline actually went bankrupt so right (laughs) (laughs) oh man this will be a shot in the arm for the economy it'll also destroy our business. Yeah, but it was like it was basically everyone was like using that flight to go to like London or Paris from New York, and uh, it was oh, like you're talking like, about uh, you're talking about the stopover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Iceland there uh, had this or has this thing called the stopover, which uh, you know you fly to Iceland and you don't pay anything <clears throat> extra to uh, you know fly across. Right. Um, yeah. So like people were like, it's kind of like whenever like here in the states like. Where you know you can get a free like week long vacation if you like spend an hour of one of the days looking at a timeshare condo like in in like Boca Raton or you know wherever the hell it might be and so it's basically you know not the the get the rate of people actually like signing up for the uh, the uh, timeshares is not like very high but you know you get one out of every you know five people and you paid for all those other vacations that were essentially free for, I've done it a couple of times. That's how I went to Hawaii the second time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good strategy. Yeah. Um, I love it. uh, And hopefully Iceland air will keep doing that when uh, we're allowed to travel again. Sure. Absolutely. Well, speaking of, of travel, there's something I, I in, in uh, the notes that you sent us that I really want to ask about. Uh, so it says here that you sort of got um, cut your teeth at the European bartending school in Thailand, of all places. So uh, talk to us about that experience and, and sort of how you wound up there and just generally what this place was like. Uh, well, yeah, of course. Uh, this was, you know, kind of in the beginning of uh, my career uh, as a bartender. And I was working at Slipparen at the time with uh, Ausgir, which hosted the bar summit that you were talking about before. Uh, and, but I wanted to kind of enhance my experience, you know, uh, and get uh, as far away from Iceland as possible to try to do something fun. Uh, so the European Bartender School has schools all around the world, um, also in Thailand. So, yeah, I decided to go there. It's a month's course. Uh, a lot of, I yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of studying classical recipes and uh, and some flair as well, which is fun. It's also a lot of partying as well. So, uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, I love making a party. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it was a you know it was a fun experience. But you know the school itself is it's not a uh, you don't have Thai people teaching you how to bartend. It's uh, it was. Um, you know Europeans that were actually that actually run the school, so European European teachers. Uh, so it was all 
yeah, they just base these schools all around the world so people have uh, the option of traveling wherever they want to go, which is really smart. That's that's I mean that's 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 super cool. It's kind of uh, I don't know. I, I I just I'm really intrigued by the idea of you know someone from uh, you know the the general <clears throat> like European theater saying yeah I want to I want to train at one of these. Um, really prestigious schools that are scattered all over the world, but I'm going to pick one that's pretty much on the opposite side of the globe just to kind of get out there. And I feel like that was that um, uh, kind of a, an interest. Did that juxtaposition kind of inform a lot of what you were learning about? Because you'd be learning, you know, all these kind of you know Western European style techniques, but then you'd be living in Thailand and sort of seeing what was, you know, going on there. And it, it, it wasn't like you'd step out of the school into a completely different environment and kind of get the best of both worlds that way. It, it was a different environment. Yes, definitely. Uh, like in Iceland, uh, young people have this kind of, uh, you know, idea that it's better to live somewhere else or better to travel somewhere else. You know, get away from the rock in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean to, you know, try to experience something fun, uh, which I did a couple of times. Uh, I lived in Germany, for example. Uh, but then you start to understand that it's actually not so bad uh, living in Iceland. It's actually great compared to other things. But uh, talking about the Thai, Thailand adventure, yeah, uh, different culture, definitely. You know, you went to uh, Patong Beach, which is kind of the party, party town there, and you had... Uh, the Patong Street as well, or Bangla Road, as they call it there. And you you have all these kind of bars doing, you have all these, you know, ladyboys dancing around everywhere, everybody trying to get something from you. Everybody wants to, you know, make you a suit. Everybody wants to take you somewhere. Everybody wants to. It's, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of a shock, but, you know, I got used to it and just had fun with it. I I especially love being in Bangkok because everywhere you go, they give you cashew nuts for like a bar snack and i like in the united states they're kind of like it's kind of like a treat yourself thing they're like are more expensive than peanuts and stuff so like <laughs> i was just like I, I love cashews and like they're just free everywhere and so like that's that was my that's like kind of the only thing i remember from Come my for the culture <laughs> stay for the cashews yeah no you know the thing is like speaking of the the european bartending school like you know like jay Borowski had and his bar there and a bartending school as well. So I think that, you know, I, I, what got me about Bangkok is that like there was much more of a, a, I was talking with my girlfriend about this the other day too, about like, you know, we have bar smarts here and that's like kind of, kind of the only thing that we have as far as like a, an accredited, like kind of like bartending school type thing. I mean, there are bartending schools, but like, I feel like typically, like whenever we get a resume from someone who's gone to bartending school, if yeah, it no, says the, the, the it, eyes roll pretty hard. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, I've heard this before. That's uh, that's kind of uh, kind of. Well, it's because they, they it's like these you're you're basically like mixing with like colored liquids, and like you're not really making. It's like more about like I don't know. It's it's not making real cocktails. It's about a little bit more like kind of like cheesy flair and stuff. And like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's these schools, these kind of like old, older school, like schools, <laughs> older school schools. Um, they really teach you a lot of bad habits or they have for a long time. And that's why, you know, I, we've had a couple of guests on the, uh, the show 
who said that they, you know, they actually went to bartending school back in the day. And, and it's just kind of funny. I'm like, really you? <laughs> yeah. Chris, Chris Louder comes to mind immediately. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, but, but like to have these elevated, like actual like bartending schools available in like different countries is a reason enough for American bartenders to go. And well, I think, I, I think the, Euro- the European model is a little bit uh, sort of advanced on, on us because unlike in the American model, uh, or just in American society, I guess. Um, it's. It, I don't think elsewhere in the world bartending has ever been looked upon as just something you do while you're in college, which is very common here. For a long time, it was looked right. on. It was looked at as like not really a career path. This is just a holdover a position. This is just a job to get you by, put a little extra cash in your pocket while you're in school or what have you. I think it's you know just as the hotel schools and the culinary schools in in, in the rest of the world are, are all considered to be you know a little bit more serious than we are here yeah just something to pay the bills yeah i think uh, what i appreciated about that school in uh, thailand the european bartender school is that uh, they went over so much you know they 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 taught you every single classic cocktail that you had to know so and they went into the theory of you know everything all the spirits and everything like that so the master classes and the and the theory classes is what i appreciated most about that school, actually, and then they teach you flair and some, you know, working techniques. But I think you, I think you just evolve that within yourself. You know how you work behind the bar. So, uh, but yeah, I appreciated uh, the theory uh, more than anything else with uh, the European bartender school. Yeah, I think again they they carry a lot, a little bit more uh, respect than the, than the schools here in America, with the exception, of course, of like uh, Damon mentioned, uh, Bar Smarts and its whole program. Um, this seems like a good place to pause and hear from our sponsors here on Heritage Radio Network. We're going to come back and keep talking with Teter from uh, Iceland uh, about, I think next we should talk a little bit about Pablo Disco Bar. So stay tuned, everybody. We're going to be right back. This episode is brought to you by Forever Cheese. Forever Cheese has been a pioneer in the specialty food industry for over 20 years. They source the most exceptional, authentic, and creative artisan cheese and accompaniments from Italy, Spain, Portugal, and Croatia. Every product they carry is thoughtfully hand-selected from their trusted producers in Europe. The standards of Forever Cheese are legendary. Many of their products, including Drunken Goat, Genuine Fulvi Pecorino Romano, Mitica Marcona Almonds, and Fig and Date Cakes are now integral to today's market. You can learn more about their product lineup at forevercheese.com. Forever Cheese is proud of their role as a trusted authority in the specialty cheese world. Their philosophy is to put passion behind everything they do, from finding the best products to celebrating those who make them. Forever Cheese, a passion for great taste. Finally, Forever Cheese remembers and celebrates the life of James Coogan, a great man who was truly passionate about cheese and the industry and lived his life to the fullest. Thanks to Forever Cheese for supporting this episode. Learn more at forevercheese.com. 
Are you longing for a trip to Mexico? Do you want to taste mezcal straight out of a wood-fired clay pot still at a palenque in Puebla? Well, we can't help you with that, but we can offer the next best thing, agave road trip in a box. This set of 10 samples of rare heritage agave spirits will transport your heart with the warmth of liquid Mexico. Get your set at agavefestival.org and then join agave road trip podcast co-host Chava and me, Lou, for an online tasting agavefestival.org is the break you've been looking for, or as close as you're going to get. And we're back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. In the studio today, we have our friend Tater. Actually, he said that we could call him Tater Tot, so I'm going to call you Tater Tot from the rest of the show. <laughs> um... <laughs> um is a tater tot like okay so the other day uh, i was i was talking with some guests at the california brandy house about the differences between brandy and uh and and whiskey you know obviously it's made from wine one's made from beer and essentially if you just want to really dumb it down and then one guest asked the other so what's vodka made from and then the other one said it's made from french fries and so like <laughs> But I, I like the idea of a tater tot uh, <laughs> more than a French fry because it kind of resembles a little shot glass. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and you can put a little caviar on top of it. I think our spinoff show is not going to be about food. It's going to be about <laughs> the mind and imagination of one Damon Bolte. <laughs> <laughs> the tater shot. Um, anyway, so we were going to talk about... Um, that's that's gonna be the new hard start, I think. Yes, tater, tater shot. shot. Um, I mean, if you can make a pizza crust out of a, like a, a chicken, was it like? Okay, I had a theory about this, by the way. I just want to like sidebar a little bit. <laughs> was it I'll like? Po- a, first of all, I took a photo of it, so I'll post okay. it on the Instagram. Uh, uh, We're gonna need that. Yeah. Um, was it like? Did they pound it out like a schnitzel, basically? Is that effectively? What yeah, but it was. Uh, um, Again, as big around as a standard pizza, what, 12, 14 inches, I guess? Um, so it, was made, it wasn't chicken, it was like a turkey. No, no, I, I, like, <laughs> like I mentioned, sort of Frankenstein. I'm sure there okay. were multiple cutlets that were pounded together. You know, protein will bond to itself when it, when right. it gets cooked and certainly when it gets kind of mashed together. Um, cool. You know, it's like the, you, ever, you ever have a deep dish pizza from Chicago. If you get sausage, the whole bottom of the pizza is one giant disc of sausage. Right. It's kind, right, kind, right. Kind, of, kind, of, kind of that kind of vibe. Gotcha. Well, anyway, yeah. Pablo Disco Bar. <laughs> Back to the Talk show. About that. <laughs> now, are, are we live? Now, yeah, we're live. We're, we're, we've been cooking this whole time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's let's talk about Pablo Disco Bar. I like. I never got to go to this place, but I, it's like steeped in legend. So yeah. uh, I, I want to hear it from from you. <laughs> What's oh your take yeah, on? the story of Pablo Disco Bar. Yeah. All right. Here it goes. Um, so I was working at Slipparen with uh, Ausi or Oscar Mar, uh, my kind of uh, mentor uh, in, uh, in, you know, at the bar, and uh, which is also the guy that hosted the or was uh, one of the founders of the Reykjavik Bar Summit. So he was hired uh, to take over a project actually, which was Pablo Disco Bar uh, at the time. So I followed him. Uh, to there and that amazing bar opened so he hired all the best bartenders in uh, in Reykjavik but 
as you might know, when too many cocks to com come together, then you know it, it sometimes causes problems. So <laughs> basically, he uh, had to quit, and the other guys had to quit. So I was left there uh, with Pablo. Um, and yeah, so what I did, or what we did, we created a you know, you know, uh, a team around it. So we uh, we. Uh, had this uh, had this idea of actually making world's 50 best bars so that was our goal from the beginning you know not with the usual like uh, you know cocktail bars all on the all on the molecular uh, cocktail making and that but having you know the ambience and the fun of it the main part which uh, we yeah I think we did a we did a quite a good job we um, we traveled around the world with the Pablo uh, World Tour. We hosted pop-ups all around, all around the world, or like all around the world, mostly in the United States, but but uh, some in Europe as well. Uh, we all had the same tattoo, the Pablo Escobar tattoo, which is maybe similar to the EO idea of having the same tattoo, but ours is a little bit more creative. It's a, it's a flamingo in a martini glass holding a yo-yo. That's a disco ball. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, can I yeah. get this tattoo? <laughs> yeah, you can get the tattoo. So what we did is that one of the, our bartenders, uh, Akira, he was uh, a tattoo artist as well. So we did the tattoos. We made the tattoos at the bar uh, itself in the private room. So yeah, it was a it was a it was a fun team. It was a fun show. It was a. Uh, we worked, you know, every single weekend, you know, just banging <clears throat> out drinks and, and, you know, the place was, yeah, it was crazy since, since we just opened. Uh, but eventually I, uh, you know, I had to uh, think more about my, you know, my well-being. So, you know, towards the end in 2019, I decided to go to uh, a quieter gig because, you know, the, the whole goal for me and our team was to make that top 50 list or at least the top 100 list. And um, when uh, we went to BCB, the Berlin Bar Comment once, we talked to uh, a good friend of Pablo's, uh, Greg Bowen from uh, Cocktail Kingdom. And he actually said that a lot of people voted for us. So we would like to think that we were number 101 on that list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Nice. So after that, you know, like I thought to myself, you know, uh, we're we're never gonna make this happen. So you know, I, I I selected or I was hired to a more quiet establishment, more you know, towards like luxury service with wine and and things like that. Um, but yeah, the Pablo experience, the Pablo life, it's you know, it was it was a lot of fun. I'll tell you. What what set. What set Pablo Disco Bar apart as a bar? What 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 was the concept there that that made it so intriguing for people? Uh, well, it's maybe hard to explain. It was just when you came off the door, you would you know come into another world, you know, uh, bartenders with uh, flamethrowers, always a host in a red jacket or a burgundy jacket, just dancing, you know, greeting you. Uh, the place was stuffed. Uh, it was really hard to find seats on the weekends, definitely. But we just, you know, we just said, keep the people coming. There's no limit. 
Um, and that's my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like my main source of anxiety in, in my life. It's like, oh. I like just like the doors just open and people are just coming in and it, it happens at my bar all the time. And it, it, it's like, it's literally shut me down on occasion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good on you. <laughs> that, that's that's where I thrive, right? I want I want them packed in as tight as we can get them. Yeah, I mean, like, also a part of the experience is that we had the restaurant downstairs from us, Burro. It was, you know, part of the same same uh, company. So we had the restaurant and the Pablo. So the so the whole experience was coming to Burro, the restaurant, having some South American food tacos or you know some steaks and stuff like that and nice wine then finishing that and going up and finishing the night of pablo and, and partying there until like three o'clock in the morning that was uh that was the that was the whole package wow uh, i just you, sorry and you you've you left there but since then so a bit of tragedy has befallen the space in general right uh yeah so what happened when I left just before, or it was during uh, COVID, it was in, I think in March, 2020, 2020, that uh, a guy, uh, it's, a, it's a funny story. Uh, there's a guy uh, that's become famous in Iceland for this. Uh, he uh, he uh, probably was, I don't know, had a few, a few too many drinks. And he, uh, he stole a cement truck and drove the cement truck uh, against traffic to get to his girlfriend uh, because his girlfriend was having troubles. So he got arrested for that. Uh, but like, like the system here is here in Iceland is that, you know, they, they really don't put you to jail. They just took his, uh, took his report and let him go the day after. Uh, but <laughs> what happened after that is that a week later, he, he uh, broke into Pablo, uh, stole all the money, and lit the place on fire. And, Holy shit! Yeah, and was arrested. Uh, uh, yeah, he was arrested right away, so he didn't get away with it. But yeah, lit it on fire. So so the roof went, uh, the storage room went, and they say with fires like that, what the fire doesn't destroy, the water destroys. There was a lot of damage, but the place isn't gone. So. They managed to refurbish it now, so it's ready actually for service again. But now, because of COVID, it's really hard to uh, start it up again because there's just not the the resources. The resources are just not there for to make it happen, unfortunately. Well, well, also like a place like that, you, I mean, obviously these days with social distancing, you can't pack people into a place like that anymore. Right. And that's kind of like a huge draw is that that kind of crazy party vibe, I would assume. Well, yeah, the crazy party disco vibe. So, you know, the idea was to try to create like a Studio 54 kind of vibe with it, which uh, and also just the, the design of the place was really beautiful, beautiful as well with the mirrors in the ceiling and, you know, the wallpapers and the toilets and everything. It's just like. But you know, people kept coming. I mean, is there is there a sense of like because you know this is something that we're all kind of struggling with as an industry over this past year is like okay, do we when 
we are allowed to go back to having as many guests as we want in our establishments. Do we put everything back exactly where it was on March 15th, 2020? Or do we take this as a chance to try new things, to go in a direction that, you know, we we might not have before or, you know, grab that folder of ideas that we thought were like too crazy to work and dip into that? Is that is that something that is happening over there or is it going to be, you know, the same old Pablo that we remember pre pandemic pre cement truck pre fire <laughs> well uh it's unknown actually because the owners uh, they're actually they actually put the place on sale so it's for sale now so they own another bar called bar miami which is uh, just up the street and they're trying just to run that and to keep the business going so uh while that is happening you know the place is for sale so we don't really know what's going to happen Oof. So what's well? So you so you uh, were were um, you have an alibi for the night of the fire because you've been gone for a little while before that happened. So that's good. So talk to us uh, a little bit about what you've got going on now and uh, some some other projects that you might have in the works. Well, yeah, of course. Um, so the thing is, what happened after uh, the Pablo adventure is that I went to work uh, in the north of Iceland in like a, like a luxury lodge and that closed uh, due to COVID. So then I had to think, do something, uh, do something, you know, start working again or, or, or yeah. So I, I actually helped them out, uh, consulted a little bit at uh, the other place, Bar Miami. And now I'm actually... I'm actually, yeah, I'm helping, I'm going to be helping with a new project that's going to open up in the beginning of May and uh, which is going to be the first speakeasy bar in Iceland. Woo. Whoa. <laughs> uh, can you, can you elaborate or is it, is it, uh, is this hush hush at this moment? It's, no. it's a speakeasy, Southern. Of course, he can't say yeah, anything about it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're on the we're on the speakeasy. That's true. <laughs> Maybe because we're on the speakeasy, we can make an exception for this. Uh, so, there's a restaurant in uh, Reykjavik. It's called Snaps, and this restaurant is known for a particular clientele. You know, where important people uh, people come to be seen, like politicians, actors, and and stuff. And this, uh, since this uh, place. As such uh, a good clientele, a steady clientele, um, uh, and they closed actually because of COVID. But they're opening up the restaurants opening up opening up next month. So there, this company or this group is going to open up three units or three places. It's going to be a wine bar, Poteca, just across the street from Snaps. Snaps the restaurant is going to open again in a really beautiful spot in in the in the basement of uh, snaps is a really beautiful room just perfect for that kind of place and uh, yeah uh, there's no name yet uh, for the place but it's gonna be it's gonna be one of a kind here in uh, in the city in the smoky bay Reykjavik that's amazing is there <clears throat> so what's the um 
is there sort of a, a, a transportive element that like, you know, are you going to hide the entrance in like a giant ice cream freezer or something like that? Or, do, or is that, is that uh, a secret or still in the works? We, we really got to get that food show going, man. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we're all just hungry. We, yeah. we're, we're broadcasting <laughs> at lunchtime today, at least yeah, on the true. East Coast. So maybe that's what it is. It's about to be dinner time here, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, well, that idea hasn't been decided yet. But the place is being refurbished to look like a proper uh, speakeasy bar. Um, like like 19th century kind of style, like like old school? Is that what, you, what you're saying? Uh, well, maybe with uh, a little more modern, more modern touches, actually. Gotcha. But, uh, okay. I'm not a part of the design team, but it's, it's the same guy that designed Pablo Disco Bar and Lofted, which, is, which are two of the, I would say, in my opinion, most, most beautiful bars in, uh, that I've ever uh, opened in uh, Reykjavik. So, so yeah, it's going to be beautiful. Uh, but the idea of having something like that with the freezer, like you just said, or maybe a, maybe a doorbell, just hasn't been decided. But uh, the entrance to the place is a stairwell down from the restaurant, which is kind of hidden. So, so like, yeah, and it's uh, like to start with, it's only going to be open Fridays and Saturdays. And then we're going to see uh, how it goes from there. Should hide the entrance behind a giant chicken parm. No one will ever, ever suspect it. Puffin parm. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> well, that's amazing, man. So, so, what, hidden, and, uh, so hidden inside of, sorry, I didn't realize I had my mute button on. So hidden inside of, uh, of, of the restaurant, um, is it going to be sort of an invite-only situation to the, to the patrons of the restaurant? Or is it going to be, will, will, will these uh, politicians, actors, uh, important clientele be sitting there at the restaurant having dinner and you know, just uh, uh, the bar clientele be walking through to get to the, to the stairwell in the back? Uh, well, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be open access to anybody, of course, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be for the people that know about it, you know, and, uh, it's probably going to be a reservation only, uh, for that place or, I love that. yeah, or just, uh, or just, uh, you know, you want to get down then the, then the uh, host, you know, will take your name and then call you when he has a free place. But yeah, if you know about it, then sure. Hey, Souther, remember John I Barleycorn? I was about to say, this sounds like John, this sounds like John Barleycorn's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I was going. You, you picked up on it. Yeah, uh, we, we, we did something similar uh, years ago, uh, but it was the most boring bar. You, like the way we had it set up was like, we had a neighbor that was like directly like on the other side of this wall. And so this neighbor already hated us because the restaurant was very lively and, and successful and loud on the weekends. And uh, so we decided to build a speakeasy upstairs, and, which is actually where this guy's like, it, it butted up to the, the neighbor's bedroom, which is like, it, it, we were just asking for it. We we're asking to get shut down basically. <laughs> um, and we, uh, I, I brought in a turntable just like a little like kind of suitcase turning table and like curated some very quiet records and like told people they couldn't take photos or be on their cell phones. Basically they couldn't talk. <laughs> you know, it was like, so we, we did that for a few months and then we closed it. This sounds like what we were trying to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, uh, 
it was it was fun on the tables we had, we had decks of cards and poker chips and uh it was invite only the management team would invite you up if the bar was crowded uh you couldn't uh you couldn't leave and come back if you left you you were gone uh yeah. and you go out no, and smoke. no no like- no money was exchanged uh, i just I, I was the bartender there that's why we were talking about it together uh we would just jot down people's uh what they drank, their consumption, and and then uh, when when their table was ready in the restaurant and, and the management would come and get them, we'd just hand them a little chit and they'd add it to their bill downstairs. It was really fun and intimate and cute, uh, but it was short-lived because of its uh, tedious nature. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you guys actually are doing this right. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, you know, this place is going to be having the support of the two other places, you know. This place is not meant to... I don't know. It's maybe it's not going to make any profit, you know. But it's. But that's I, awesome. I, that's that's <laughs> so great. I mean, like, that's, I wish I wish we could do that with all of our bars, you know. Like, honestly, that's kind of like what Greg was saying at the beginning of the show how he, when he was leaving, and he was like, "Why do I have my shoes on?" You know, I've always thought that like, how cool would it be if you could just like get up and walk out of a bar or restaurant, like. If there was some sort of like, it's like when you have like an easy pass in your car, like whenever you go through tolls, you just like, pew, pew, and you just, you don't stop. You just keep going. You know, there was some way to do that in bars and restaurants. Maybe, maybe I'll build an app for that. I don't know. But like, I, I to where it you exists. Can, yeah. Where you can pay, uh, it's almost like an Uber. You pay as before you, before you it just automatically happens. You just leave. And then like add gratuity, you know, whatever, like, and then you just get up and go. How, how awesome is that? So like, like. I, I like the idea of not having to worry about, like, as a business owner, like, not having to worry about that exchange at the end of everything. Because it kind of, like... I mean, Damon, maybe you'd be the resurrector of the notion of tabs. You know, when when I was a kid, my dad owned a bar, and people had tabs. They did just walk out, and, and dad would yeah, add it to their tab and, and, and bill them monthly. You get a monthly bill. That's awesome. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> I, think, I think there it is. Uh, and you know maybe Tater can do that as well at the new uh, at the new yet to be named Speakeasy Bar in Iceland. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, and you know the people that listen to the show and <laughs> want to have a seat at the new at the new bar. You know they, I think they know where to find me. So yeah, some people traveling from the United States. Cool. Hey, yeah. do you have? Um, speaking of that, um, I know that like. You know, like one of my things that I, I miss the most about traveling is being able to pick up like cool booze from other countries and like other things like bar tools and, you know, certain ingredients that you can't really find in other places. Like to me, like, I mean, obviously we're going to, by the end of the show, the tater tot shot is going to be like a viral hit, but like, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> obviously I, I have. <laughs> I have some old bottles of Brennan in my bar at Grand Army, um, you know, before it was really so available in the United States. And I was just wondering if you, if there's anything like that, that when we do come to visit you, is there anything you want us to bring so you can put it behind the bar? Uh, well, yes, definitely. <laughs> yes is the answer. It sounds like he's got a list. <laughs> I was just going to say like one thing, but uh, yeah, sure. Okay, fine. I mean, Send us I mean, your list. That- there's a lot of stuff that we don't have here in Iceland, of course. Right. Because we're an island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. But yeah. the, uh, the thing is, you know, the uh, it's gotten better and better in the in the last years, uh, the selection of alcohol that we get. But, you know, if you're coming, uh, just please let me know and uh, we'll make arrangements. 
So yeah. you're gonna put me on the wait list, is what you're saying? <laughs> I'm still gonna have to wait when I get no, there. No, no, you, uh, I'll put you on the priority list. Oh, uh, that means that means we're guest bartending, Souther. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> you went you went yes. from being you went from being a guest to having to work. <laughs> hey, you know what? I want to do both. Talking about guest uh, bartenders, we had uh, a team over uh, from Seattle actually guest bartend at uh, at Pablo Disco Bar, along with a few others from Europe. So. Uh, I'm all up for guest bartenders when when things start to open again. Who yeah. uh, who who'd you have over from Seattle? We had uh, we had um, uh, one of our reps for Brennevin, Jamie Buckham, and her crew, mm-hmm. Rocky as well. He was there. Do you know Rocky? Oh, yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, sadly miss him uh, a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's awesome! Uh, oh my gosh, that's that brightens brightens my day a little bit to hear that he was involved in something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, always does. Um, yeah, I had such a fantastic time when I was in Iceland. Um, I joke a lot about how much we drank, but uh, which we did. Uh, but uh, but I did get to enjoy a lot of breathtaking vistas. We actually got to see aurora borealis. Uh, we were in a hot spring. Uh, we were, were up on a mountain in the inside of an ice. Uh, uh, inside an iceberg, basically, they 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 boarded out and made it into sort of a, a church and a place you could go to get married, and and they hosted us there, and we did an event inside of an iceberg, which was crazy. Um, Do you remember the, who you married? The, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the water, the water there, uh, unbelievable. Just everywhere you went, just tap water, amazing. Uh, the, the most like I think maybe even you, Tater, as a as a resident, uh, maybe when you travel the world, you realize it. But man, your water is the best water ever uh, well, so so, so yeah, pure we're, we're really lucky for that and and the air here as well because you know when we go abroad you know anywhere else to europe or united states when we go out of the plane and go out of the airport it's like hitting a wall you know so yeah we're really we're really lucky to have the water that we have and uh, and the air and the fresh air that we have as well it's yeah. uh, it's great. really incredible and the, and the people there are all charming uh, as fuck and uh, frankly they're all i haven't seen a picture of you but frankly they're all gorgeous they're all you know taller <laughs> taller than us better skin than us you know like uh yeah just an amazing time that i had there uh it was we were there for five days and it was it was really charming um uh plus plus the landscape there looks uh otherworldly you know uh, it's you know speaking of getting off the plane when we got off the plane i was like did we take a plane to another planet like just the landscape itself is very unique. Yeah, for definitely for adventurers and uh, people that like the outdoors, is uh, Iceland is a good choice f- for traveling. All right, we're have, uh, we're going. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, exactly. We're all we're taking we're taking a we're taking we're a field this. trip. We're yeah. going. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll host you guys definitely. Wherever. Right. <laughs> cool. Well, um, man, it sounds like we've got a lot of uh, planning to do here, guys. We've got to get over to Iceland and hang out with Tater Tot and develop, fully develop the Tater Tot shot. Yeah, um, i got to get over to the Jabbit Center so I can get, get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> but this is really cool. I, it's been awesome talking with you. Um, there's, uh, you know, like, the, we've said this almost on every episode lately, you know, since COVID happened, um, that it's like our studio got bigger because, you know, since we're doing everything virtually, it's, you know, we can have guests on from anywhere in the world. And so it's, 
it's it's really been great to like broaden the uh, the audience and the guests for the speakeasy. So this has been really great. Thanks for being on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Tater, do you have uh, social media or anything like that you'd like to let people know where they can follow along with your exploits and see what's going on with the upcoming bar? Uh, well, yeah, definitely. I don't know about the upcoming bar, uh, but. Uh, for uh, myself, uh, my Instagram handle is the Tater Tot, just my name instead of the of, of Tater, actually. And uh, people that are interested in the spirit Brennivin, uh, the original spirit of Iceland, should check out Brennivin.com. Uh, those two. Right, so that's awesome. the T H E T E I T U R T O T. I'll have that in the show notes. T- the Tater. Yeah. Yeah, the Tater Tot uh, on Instagram. Uh, and then uh, uh, obviously check out Brennan as well. Yes. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, while we were there, uh, I would mention while we were there, we had, uh, I, I assume it's just a yearly release. It was, a, it was either seasonal or Christmas. Is there a Christmas Brennan? There is a Christmas Brennan, which is a barrel aged uh, version of the Brennan. So it differs from year to year what kind of barrels or casks they use for that, uh, uh, the Brennan edition. It's yeah. delicious. It was outstanding. Yeah. So just, you know, the regular Brennan with that, you know, those really nice vanilla, chocolate, caramel flavors, you know, with with the Christmas flavors. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It was was outstanding. We really enjoyed it. I love that stuff. And again, it does make a very nice Boilermaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that sort of little kiss of caraway and and dill. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, also, uh, uh, Brennivin started uh, exporting to the United States in, uh, I think, around 10 years ago. So, yeah. Brennivin USA, uh, his name is Joe. He lives in Wyoming, which takes care of the whole Brennivin market in the United States. So <laughs> From Wyoming? Wow. <laughs> yes, odd, odd, odd home base. Um, odd base. Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've had Brennivin on the bar to Mori Margo for years. Uh, it's, it's a staple. Um, well, th- this has been a real uh, a great chat with you, Tater. Thanks for spending some time with us here on the Speakeasy uh, all the way from Iceland. Um, we look forward to a day when we can get over there and travel again and, and, and hang out and maybe do a guest shift at your upcoming secret. Uh, and we'd love to, of course, host you here in America. Come on over. We'll, we've got places for you to crash, and we'll put you to work as well. Um, but, <laughs> so thanks again for joining us here. Uh, that's it for this week's episode of the Speakeasy. Tune into Heritage Radio Network for plenty more shows just like this one. Uh, and cheers, everybody. Good, good cheers. talking to you today. Cheers. Cheers, guys. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues. That's him. It's gonna get you some in the The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fair, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. 
Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.